Hi, good morning, everybody. Good morning. We're continuing our series on uh, the book, Gentle and Lowly, to better understand the heart of Jesus for us. And I'd hold up the book, but it would be a Kindle, so you can see that the picture there on, on the screen there. But this week, I, I was thinking, you know, it's, it's funny the memories you remember of your childhood. I, I remember, uh, I was reminded of one this week, I was six years old, my first day at school. It was first grade in Canada. And I was told to come straight home after school. And I, um, but I didn't. I, uh, sorry, mom. But I, I, I stayed in the schoolyard in a, in a nearby park with some of my new school friends. Well, eventually it was getting late and, and uh, my mom finally tracked me down and she was really worried. And, and she took me home and she said, you go to your room and you wait until you get, till your father gets home and hear what you've done. And I don't know if I was more worried about that I'd got in trouble or what my father was going to say when, when he found out what I did when I got home. My mind was racing and my, and my heart was, was pounding at, at the possibility of, of what that could be. Well, when the moment that I met my maker and my dad came, came home and, and he said to me, tell me what you did. And I gave my response and I waited my sentence. And my dad paused and I gulped and, and then he said, don't do it again, all right? And for that moment, that his expectation for what I was expecting, it was a shock at what my father was saying. And I know that I had done wrong, but I wasn't, didn't expect my father to respond in the way that he did. And that's a little bit like what we're going to look at in our chapter today. The chapter is titled, What Our Sin Evokes. And it's asking the question, what is Jesus' heart response to our sin? Last week, Ben asked uh, the question, what comes into your mind when you think of God? Our thoughts of God's heart towards us are particularly relevant when we know we've messed up or we've done something wrong. What response does our sin evoke? That's what we're going to answer. How would you answer that this morning? You might think, I am so thankful that I know my sins are forgiven. But you might think, God must be angry or upset at me, or he's disappointed with me. Or you might think, I've failed God. God's pulled away and distanced himself, or I'm a disappointment to God. What is Jesus' heart response when we sin? And that's what we're going to unpack for a few minutes here this morning. First of all, we have to make the distinction. Uh, there's one important distinction between how God responds. It's between those who are in Christ and those who are not in Christ. Maybe you're listening to this this morning and you consider yourself not yet a Christian. You've not yet given your heart to Jesus or, or you're on that journey of getting to know who this Jesus is and what it means to be a Christian. We're so glad you joined us here this morning. If you're not a Christian, you might be thinking this morning, well, I don't know, I don't know if I'd consider what I'm doing to be sin. I'm a fairly good person. What is sin really? You see, without a true awareness of God, we can lack an awareness of sin. We know at the beginning of the Bible in Genesis, there's a story of Adam and Eve. And through Adam and Eve, sin came into the world. Because of that, we were born into sin. And sin separated mankind from a holy God. But that wasn't God's original plan. 
The Bible tells us that God so loved the world that he gave his son Jesus that whoever believes in him shall not perish. By perish, that means that if we don't belong to him, sin evokes holy wrath and judgment. How could a morally holy God respond any other way? The author Dane Ortland put it this way. It's probably impossible to conceive the horror of hell or the the ferocity of retributive justice and the righteous wrath that will sweep over those who are found on the last day to be without Christ. Now you might think, well, that's a bit harsh or excessive. Yet without Jesus, the reason we feel as if divine wrath can easily be overstated is that we don't always feel the true weight of sin. The author goes on to say this, you may never make yourself feel that you are a sinner because there's a mechanism in you as a result of sin that will always be defending you against each accusation. We are all all on very good terms with ourselves and we can always put on a good case for ourselves. And that was the case for Adam and Eve. Uh, Adam blamed Eve, Eve blamed the devil. and, And so, but the truth this morning is without Jesus, we don't feel the weight of sin because of our sin. But even so, in 2 Peter, God's heart for us is this, that God is not wishing that any should perish, but that all should re- reach repentance. This is the answer to the question that, you, that they ask on the Alpha Course. Well, why Jesus? In Romans 3, it says that Jesus became the perfect sacrifice. It uses the word propitiation, if you want a big Scrabble word for you there. But that he became the perfect sacrifice for our sins by his blood dying on the cross. All our guilt, all the wrath, all the eternal judgment of God was laid upon Jesus as the perfect sacrifice. And in exchange, the gift of righteousness has been given to us through faith in Jesus Christ who believe. In our sin, you and I were 100% guilty. But like in a court, God is a just judge. Yet his son stood, his son Jesus stood in our place and paid the sentence for us. And God declares that you and I may walk away free. That's good news, isn't it? Yes, yes. Thank you, Ben. In Isaiah 6, which was mentioned this morning, God opens Isaiah's spiritual eyes to see a glimpse of his glory. He says, I saw the Lord sitting upon the throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And verse 3, and one called to another and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Isaiah's response to this in verse 5 was, woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And for all of us, we can only see how insidious and pervasive and revolting sin is as God reveals to us his glory and holiness to us. But when we invite Jesus to come into our hearts and surrender our lives to him, we're given a new nature. Can I get an amen? All right. Thank you. Thank you. We become dead to sin and alive in Christ. 
There's a work that he has done at that moment, but there's also a work being done in us. We know in Hebrews 10, it says that by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. So just as the beginning, as we talked about, that we can, we can hardly fathom the divine ferocity awaiting for those who aren't in Christ, it is equally true that we can hardly fathom the divine tenderness already resting upon those in Christ. When I lived in Montana, I'm Canadian, but we lived for a few years in Montana, and I had a friend in Montana named Dwayne. And my friend Dwayne, he had a real struggle with a feeling that he'd committed an unforgivable sin. That he would say, my, my, my heart seems to bear witness, seems to relate more to the fact that God is angry at me more than I would receive his grace. I feel I deserve his punishment more than his forgiveness. Yet to those that belong to Christ, sin evokes holy longing, holy love, and holy tenderness. As we think about all this, we can feel a little uh, bashful, maybe a little uncomfortable, a little guilty even, emphasizing the tenderness of God instead of, of his judgment or wrath. But the Bible feels no discomfort when it says in Rome, Romans 5.20, where sin increase, grace abounds all the more. It's like in the Olympics that we just saw. If there was a sprint race between grace and sin, if there was the, the, the cycling uh, pursuit, that grace gets the gold every time. No matter how fast or how ferocious that sin can be, that grace gets the gold every time. Grace wins. And the guilt and shame of those, the guilt and shame of those in Christ is ever outrun by his abundant grace. We can feel our sin and failures can diminish God's grace in our lives. Yet those sins and failures are in fact causing it to surge beyond, surge forward all the more. And when we're talking about the grace of God, we're not talking about a thing, but we're talking about the, the person of Jesus Christ, that we're talking about his work in our lives. When we sin, the very heart of Christ is drawn out to us. And that's the takeaway point for us today. But that raises another question. In Christ, if, we are, if, if Christ is perfectly holy, must that not necessarily be that he withdraws in our sin? Christ being perfectly holy knows all and feels the horror and weight of sin more deeply than any of us could ever, not because he sinned himself, but just like the, one, the pure a man's heart or woman's heart, the more horrified at evil they would become to see their neighbor that may have been robbed or, or abused. Also, the more that heart would naturally be drawn to try to help that neighbor. So with Christ. His holiness finds evil revolting more revolting than any of us ever could find. But in that very holiness also draws his heart out to help and to relieve and to protect and to comfort. That's just really good news this morning. We mentioned earlier that Isaiah's response to the holiness of God was, I'm a man of unclean lips. But if we read on in that passage, we actually see how the holiness of God flows into his forgiveness and tenderness. 
It says God's response to Isaiah's words of his unclean lips. He touched my mouth and said, behold, this, uh, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Jesus satisfied God's judgment and released to us his forgiveness and mercy. Thomas Goodman said, there's comfort in the truth that his, your very sin moves Jesus to pity more than to anger. For he suffers with us out of our, with, under our infirmities, our sins, as well as other miseries. Christ is so far from being provoked against you as all his anger is turned upon your sin to re- ruin it. Yes, his pity is increasing the more towards you. A practical example is, is, it, is a father or a mother. If your child has a, a very terrible disease, the father's hate is for that disease, but his love is for that child. The very presence of that disease draws out the heart of us as parents towards our child. That's the same with Jesus. Because we are in Christ, part of Christ's own body, we're hidden in him. Your sin evokes his deepest heart, his compassion and pity. He's on your side. And one of the illustrations that sometimes I think about in this is sometimes if this was my sin and here I am and here is God over here. And sometimes in my mind, I can think my sin is between me and God. And, and I, I need to get through what I'm doing. I'm, I, all I can see is what I've done wrong. All I can see is what I'm, how I'm failing. I've got to get through my sin to get to God. But he's not against us in our sin. He's actually, we're in Christ. He is with us against that sin to help us to overcome. He is on our side. He hates sin, but he loves you and I. Now you might be thinking, but Mike, what about the verses that says the Lord disciplines those he loves? Or maybe in Romans 6, as J.B. Phillips says, now, what is our response to be? Shall we sin to our heart's content and, and so see how far we can exploit the grace of God? What a ghastly thought, J.B. Phillips says. This is not to ignore the, the discipline side of Christ's care for us. If you're a Christian, um, and, and I heard Terry Virgo put it this way, if you're in a silly situation where you've made some wrong choices, Jesus is not condoning your actions with his compassion. He's calling you and I to repent and to come back to him. Also, when we take our eyes off of God and on ourselves, we need to ask the Holy Spirit, like we were worshiping this morning, to give us a fresh revelation of the holiness and glory of God. The Bible clearly teaches us that our sins draw forth the discipline of Christ, but that doesn't contradict his heart. He would not love us. He would not, pardon me. He would, it would not be true love for us if he didn't do that. But even this is a reflective of his own great heart for us. Just like if you had a physical problem with your body, that you might need to, to contact Ben as a physiotherapist, a physical therapist, and he might cause you some pain and discomfort, you know, the, where the, the deep tissue, deep tissue pressures to release a, a muscle knot or, or the force of twisting of a leg to bring it back into alignment. But that physical therapy is not punitive. You don't have any judge that says, I hereby sentence you to three months physiotherapy. You, know, you, 
That's not, it's not intended to do that. It's intended to bring healing. And it's out of care for that limb that the physical therapy is assigned. And that's the same with us, that when we sin, that God works in our hearts to be able to bring correction, to bring adjustment to that so that we can walk more rightly with him. And as we come to land, this brings us to the key passage that that brings all this together. In Hosea 11, Hosea is in the Old Testament, but it's part of the, the minor prophets of the Bible that are not only speaking to the physical Israel of the time, but speaking prophetically to who, what Jesus is to come. And Matthew 2 tells us that this passage is fulfilled in Jesus. But we read this in Hosea eleven seven to 9. My people are bent on turning away from me. As, and, and though they call out to the Most High, he shall not raise them up at all. How can I give you up, O Ephraim? How can I hand you over, O Israel? How can I make you like Adma? And how can I treat you like Zeboam? My heart recoils within me. My compassion, watch this, my compassion grows warm and tender. I will not execute my burning anger. I will not again destroy Ephraim. For I am God and not a man, the Holy One in your midst, and I will not come in wrath. You see, even in all this passage is all the elements of what we've talked about this morning. We see in verse 7, God's own people amidst their sin. My people are bent and turned away from me. But then in verse 8, it says, but can I make you like Adma or make you like Zabam? Now, those two cities, just as a quick reference, they were the cities like Sodom and Gomorrah. They were around that time where God poured out his judgment upon them. It's sort of seeing this is a reference of his heart of saying, well, there, you deserve judgment. I'm going to, I'm, I want to be compassionate. And in verse 9, we see God's holiness. I am God and not a man, the holy one in your midst. But it says then, I will not come in wrath. His deep affirmation and grace. And we see in this passage, we're given a rare glimpse into the very center of who God is. And we see and feel the deep affection beating within the very being of God. His heart is inflamed with pity and compassion for his people. He doesn't just give them up. He doesn't just uh, abandon them, for they are his. And this text connects the holiness of God with his refusal to come in wrath. When we read there about that I'm the holy one in your midst and I will not come in wrath, Is that what you'd expect yourself, God, to say? Sometimes we would think that we tend to think that he's God and not us. And the fact that he's holy, that he's all the more that he would visit us with judgment rather than with grace. But once again today, this chapter and this this topic seeks to correct our thoughts about Jesus' heart towards us. It comes back to that original question. What is your thought of God? When you make a mistake or or you mess up. The sins of those who belong to God open the floodgates of his heart of compassion for us. It's not our loveliness that wins his love, but it's our unloveliness. Isn't that so contrary to our world today? So how do we respond to what we've learned today? If you're not a Christian... 
This is all the more an encouragement to give your heart to Jesus. Surrender to his rescue plan for your life. God the Father loves you so much that he gave his son. He doesn't want you to perish. And that is why he sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross. Maybe it might be simply to start by saying, God, if you're real, reveal yourself to me. Convict my heart. But if you're a Christian, reflecting on the truth of what we've heard this morning, that when we sin, the very heart of Christ is drawn out to us. We need to really look at that truth and challenge our own view of how we see Jesus in those midst. Maybe it's good to chat it over in your, in your running partners or in your community group. Or, or if you would just love to talk to somebody more about it, let's get, get in touch. We'd be glad to chat with you more about it. But we need to really take this in, in, in heart and think of how the truth of what we've heard this morning, that if we had a fresh revelation of God's holiness and yet Christ's great compassion to us, even and especially when we fail, if we've made wrong choices, then we just, we're saying, God, I just want to quickly make that right with you. And what strength and assurance that that would bring us to stand in victory and to draw near to Jesus' heart. And with a fresh understanding of what it means for those that are not in Christ, to, for us to be reaching out to our neighbors, to our loved ones, to our friends and family, to make sure they know that Jesus loves them. We would truly be more than conquerors through him who loved us. Let's pray and just respond to what God's saying to us. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray and thank you for what you did on the cross. I thank you, God, that you sent Jesus. You sent grace to mankind. That while we deserve sin, God, you gave us your righteousness through Christ. As I was preparing for this, I felt God stir in my heart that there were some here or some listening that even as Christians, the picture I had was that you're wearing old clothes, like old work, like old work clothes, that they're, they're comfortable. Even though you have a new wardrobe, you wake up every day and you put on your old clothes. You feel they suit you best. You think, this is who I am, but they don't fit you. Old clothes of self-judgment, I'm a failure, I'm a disappointment. Old clothes of shame, I'm second best. Your old clothes, how you see yourself is influencing your life, the decisions that you're making. And the heart of God for you today is to throw away your old clothes and put on your new wardrobe. I think even that there might be somebody here in real life that might even be thinking about your clothes and thinking about your wardrobe. And God is speaking to you in that, in a practical way about spiritual matters. If you feel God is speaking to you in that, I just feel the Holy Spirit is just touching some hearts this morning to, to change your heart, to change your conviction about this. And this is going to have a radical change in your lifestyle and your actions. Put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of God, the creator. Father, in Jesus name, I just pray that you would increase the activity of your Holy Spirit in our hearts right now, God. I also felt that God wanted to encourage someone that the more you grow closer to Jesus, the more aware you become of sin. And that's part of just God creating in us a healthy conscience. And because 
uh, before you were a Christian, you were not even aware of sin. But I feel like God wants to encourage someone that they felt that there was a real stir in their hearts towards God. Your heart is stirred to press into God afresh. But you're thinking, but I'm such a sinner. All I can see is what I've done wrong. And the encouragement is that your, our awareness of sin is really a reflection of God's work in your heart. A work of holiness to make you more sensitive to what is sinful. And I really feel God's pr- uh, pleasure and delight of you this morning. And his encouragement is to keep your eyes and heart fixed on him and draw closer to him. And lastly, just as I finish, I do want to make sure I give anyone an opportunity this morning that as you listen this morning, you've made aware of the fact that you need to have a savior. You need Jesus in your life. Maybe after listening to this, you say, I know I need to respond to this, but I don't fully understand it. We'd love to talk to you about it. We'd love, there's an alpha course that will help you to be able to understand who Jesus is and and answer some of your questions. But I just wanted to give you a moment, just while every eye is closed, I just want to give you a moment just to to respond to God. And when God touches our heart or God speaks to us or somebody says something to us, sometimes it's important that we respond to what they say. To simply even to say, God, you've got my attention. If that's you this morning, I want to just encourage you that To to become a Christian, it simply is to believe in your heart that Jesus Christ uh, died and to confess with your mouth that that, um, he died on the cross, to confess that we are sinners, and to ask him to come into our hearts afresh, to come be Lord of our lives. So if that's you this morning and you'd like to do that, I just want to just slip your hand up or just, I just want to respond to God this morning. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. And Father, I just want to thank you for Jesus, for his complete defeat of sin. And Father, I just want to thank you for the truth this morning, that that you laid Jesus, all, all all the wrath and all the judgment upon Jesus, and released to us your, your righteousness to be made right with God. And Father, I pray that if there's anyone, Lord, that that needs to be right with you, I pray, God, that they would quickly turn to you, God. But I thank you, God, that you're not looking, you're not there to be angry at them, but Lord, you're there to welcome them with tender arms. And Lord, I just thank you. I pray today, most importantly, that as we go forward, we would have a fresh view of the grace of God, the grace of Christ in our lives the grace of God's working with us to perfect us and to to sanctify us, to make us more like Christ each day. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.